comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and as always this is Abe. What's up? Out now is a film podcast as Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games and other fun stuff. This is episode 85 and this week we are talking about The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. The first part of a new Lord of the Rings-inspired, J.R.R. Tolkien-inspired trilogy, directed, once again, directed by Peter Jackson. And joining us to discuss The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey, we have writer for Fast Film Reviews, currently practicing for the Iditarod with a rabbit-driven sled, Mark Hoban. Hey, everybody. And writer for Things I Know About the Movies, currently swimming wildly through piles and piles of gold, much like Scrooge McDuck in the money bin, Adam Gentry. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. After that right. intro, doing great. Right, I was say, okay, that's the reaction I wanted. So it smell awful. <laughs> can we just have a callback for DuckTales, the movie, yeah. please? It smell like dirty metal. <laughs> Thanks, Abe, for the, <laughs> that insightful color commentary on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make some announcements here. Um, we got a couple of emails. Um, I got to call these announcements. It's more like, hey, this is stuff that happened. It's not really announcing anything. It's just like, hey, here's the things that we got before the show starts. Um, so we got emails. Here's here's one. I got one email from Graham again. Um, so here we go. So to this layman movie watcher, it seems 2011 was the year of 3D movies, good and bad, and 2012 was the year of the return of IMAX movies. Do you have any idea of new technology trends that may be showing up in 2013, or will be... Will we get more IMAX and good 3D movies since studios seems to have learned that 3D isn't always worth it? Thoughts on that question? As far as new trends, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to talk a little bit later about the 48 frames per second that The, the Hobbit is, is bringing in. But at the same time, that's not something that is going to be widespread just yet. Um, I don't really think good... I mean, I mean, Graham's question kind of suggests that maybe... Good movies went away for a while, you know, while this 3D onslaught took place. I don't really think that's been the case. I, mean, I don't think you know good films ever quite went away. They were just a little harder to find. No, th- like good 3D movies. Oh, okay. I misunderstood his question. Uh, yeah, that's that's always been a mixed bag for me. As far as you know, what te- where technology is going next year, I um, this has been a really you know long drawn out way of saying I really am not sure. Hmm. Mark, any thoughts? I mean, I think probably 3D will still continue to be uh, a factor in movies but uh, it's it's not something that I'm interested in but I think because it does add an extra amount of money to movies I think probably studios will continue to to use that as, as a technology yeah 3D certainly seems like a norm right now opposed to something exclusive but the IMAX format that that is something that 
it's returned. It's come back strong. It's certainly, it's come back more. I mean, you, you, right. after like the Dark Knight kicked it off, it was you know back in two thousand eight with you, you using that for the first time in like a mainstream film. The um, I like to think that I mean, Mission Impossible happened, and then you had Dark Knight Rises this year, and so. I think IMAX is very enjoyable as a format. It's just not readily available at every theater. And also, there doesn't seem to be a standard as to what is considered IMAX. I've gone to supposedly IMAX showings that look like just a very big screen. Yeah. And then and then other IMAX screens where, where it literally takes up like the whole room and it's really quite impressive. So, I mean, I don't know. It 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 seems like there's the standard is not it's a little bit like annoying when you think you're going to see an IMAX film and it just really looks like a, a big screen, but not like you know something that takes up the whole room. And with regard to 3D, I think it's it's become pretty apparent that you know I mean obviously there are people like us who may or may not be that compelled by it in general, but then the general audience. I mean, there was I think it was assumed for a while that they would just go see 3D. Period. If it was available, and it's been nice to see with certain films that. In some cases, the 2D uh, version has been outselling it and just kind of proving to you know, major, major studios, major players that people aren't just going to go see the most expensive option if they don't think it really will add anything to the experience. Right. I definitely think that 3D has, has come a long ways. I mean, if they're using it the way that Life of Pi and Hugo are using it, not like or Silent Hill Revelations 3D. Um, but yeah, IMAX, I think definitely IMAX has come back strong. Ever since T Rex back to the Cretaceous, you know, hit the theaters back in 1999. That's a joke. I like I, way, way to dig way to dig into Silent Hill 3D Revelations like that movie did something bad to you for some reason. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I didn't even watch it. I watched the first one. Moving on. <laughs> you didn't like a movie you haven't seen. <laughs> I was like this is a waste of money. Okay. All right, we have another question. What do you think the Oscar chances, this is from Miserum Gary Sofford, what do you think the Oscar chances are for Cloud Atlas? Anything? The pre-Oscar award season has been too kind. Mm. Actually, I, I thought I saw something that said it wasn't even on the short list for makeup. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I did see that as well. That is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not a fan of that film, but at the very least it should be cited for makeup. I would. I mean, what do you? What are your thoughts, you guys? What do you think? Maybe, you, maybe original like score. Original score. I mean, that got nominated for a Golden Globe, apparently. But um, I would go with your visual effects as well. Visual effects. Would be, I'd see. I could see it on the short list, but given movies that have come out this year, I wouldn't see it as a nomination for visual effects. If it was up to, if it was up to just personal preference, I would nominate for best picture. But it's not. I doubt. Right. That's right. I, I think. I think all of you guys would probably, from your own personal preference might cite it for Best Picture. But I, I think the chances of it getting nominated for that are pretty slim. They're slim, but the, but the same token with, with the with the sheer number of nominees, that's that's one thing. You never know what the Oscar what what the Academy will kind of throw a curveball to. Well I hope Anna Karenina would take that spot if uh, if uh, over Cloud Atlas. A, a pretty big ad, a pretty big ad campaign needs to kick in if uh, <laughs> Cloud Atlas is gonna start making his run for the Oscars right now, I would have to say well, you know, it, it didn't it Aaron, didn't perform it didn't doing it, it, our part. We're oh, yeah. Atlasing everything. Exactly, we're connecting everything all the time. But um, yeah, I, I, personally, yes. If if Cloud Atlas got some recognition, I I would I'd be you know happy to recognize that fact. But I mean, it, it's tricky right now. All right, so okay, actually joining us now, we have founder and editor of FirstShowing.net, the man who has overtaken several diminished hobbits in a game of riddles, Alex Billington. Hey, what's up, guys? 
All right. Welcome. <laughs> uh, finishing up announcements before we get to know everybody. Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, helpful to get those. It'd be, it'd be a, big, a great Hanukkah treat for me if you were able to give us some iTunes reviews and ratings. <laughs> Just put it that way. But, um, all right, let's get, let's get to know everybody. Each week we ask each other a few questions to kind of get to set the tone for the podcast and better get to know everybody. And because I know Mark Hoban's dying to ask his question, I want to let him go first this week. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's a great setup. Um, so Martin Freeman is the star of The Hobbit, and I personally first came into contact with Martin Freeman as the BBC version of The Office. So, Aaron, which is your favorite version, the BBC version or the American NBC version? <laughs> BBC, no question. That's that, that, if I, I love Ricky Gervais' The Office. That's one of my favorite shows ever, like, period. So the NBC office, while it did have, like, that second, third, and, like, fourth season, are pretty solid, second and third one especially, it's gone on for a while, and it's just not very good anymore. Right. Have you been keeping up lately? I have been keeping up. I'll say that this final season that they're doing seems like they're they're going back to making it somewhat better they? than it has been, just because they know it's ending, so they have, you know, a goal for the series, but... Yeah. I love the BBC series because it knows what it, it does what it does in the amount of episodes it needs to have done it. It doesn't stretch it out for years at a time, diminishing the quality. Sure. So there we go. Um, all right. Uh, Abe. Yes. Another Martin Freeman related question. Right. He's, I have one too. He's gone from television to film quite successfully, being on The Office and, of course, Sherlock currently, and now he's the star of Peter Jackson Epic. What actor would you like to see make a similar jump to the big screen? Oh, that's a great question. And I don't have one off the top of my head, actually. Does anyone else have a possible answer? Yeah. These are TV actors, you're saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah TV. You, TV you, like, no, you like to see, like, go to the big screen? There's that uh, Steve Carell guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing well for himself, but yeah, it, that, that's a good one. He's uh, already done it. <laughs> yeah. He's already yes. done it. DJ Novak? I don't know. That is why it is Don't you remember that Steve Carell epic of uh, 40-year-old Unexpected Journeys? <laughs> Don, I mean, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. I'll, uh, I'll post it on our Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. But, um, Adam. Yes, sir. All right. Let me get my... No answer to my question. Just putting that out there. <laughs> I know. I just... I noticed, like, I was even, like... I actually had something in mind. Mark, but... what do you... What do you what oh, yeah, Mark. Yeah, what? I don't even really watch the show very regularly, but that Chris Pratt on Parks and Recreation, I think he's kind of likable. I think that he could... No, but he, he's breaking down into movie roles. He's in uh, Zero Dark Thirty coming out, and he's been in... Moneyball. Moneyball, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying, though, Mark. I, yeah, but... Okay, he's not, a, he's not a film star. I'm talking about, like, yeah... You, not the lead. Yeah, full on, like... Yeah. yeah. As soon as he and Anna Ferris, you know, his wife, you know, make that, that lovely romantic comedy that we're all waiting for, we'll... Is he really married to Anna Ferris? Yeah. That's They're awesome. having a baby. Anna Ferris is hilarious. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. All right, Adam. Yes, sir. Who's a better 14th member of the Thorin group, Bilbo <laughs> or Short Round? <laughs> wow. Well, come on, one's, one's more practical than the other, and I think I'm talking about Short Round here. Because I, I can see the grudge match picture of Short Round and Bilbo, like, holding fists up at the screen. <laughs> like, uh, Deathly Hallows like Deathly Hallows yeah, when they're short rolling, round will get stuff done, but I, I think it'll be great for this. Short round, will, he, he'll get stuff done, but I, I don't know if he'll be—he he would have been able to uh, 
talk his way out of a, a troll situation like Bilbo did. So I got to go with Bilbo on this one. Just to, you could have spoken it in Chinese, and we should be like, "What's he saying?" I, exactly, because I speak Chinese so fluently. I, I should have yeah, done yeah. that. Right. All right, okay, go with Bilbo. Uh, question for Alex. So, um, it obviously, uh, Peter Jackson is in the business of making, uh, of, of adapting major franchises from uh, the written word into the silver screen. And I'm curious to know which franchise, uh, it, could, it could be either um, a book series or, or otherwise, would you like to see adapted to the silver screen and why? Hey, that was my question. Uh, franchise, though. Hmm. Are you trying to... Yeah, I was going to say, are you, are you asking about uh, more of a series or more of another book that I would love to see adapted? I was going more with a, um, a series, but if you'd like to go with a, a single a single book, that's fine, too. <laughs> well, I'm going to sort of cheat and say it's kind of both, but um, I was going to say Ender's Game, uh, even though it is being made, but that can be a series, right? Yeah. <laughs> it can be yeah. a franchise. There, he has, there, but there's, are, there's, there are several books. Yeah, Orson exactly. Scott Card wrote like six books or something, like that, didn't he? Exactly. I don't know. They're not as good as the original, but yeah. at the very least, uh, no, I'm very, 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 very excited for Ender's Game. I think it has the kind of world, the sci-fi world we can really get into, and I hope can be properly visualized for the big screen. That's actually the, the answer I had, too, that like immediately left to mind, because even though we know it's being made into a film. But... Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, the only other one I want to see is, and it's also being made, is Snow Crash. Um, I'm a big fan of that book. That's already being made, too. Really? Cool. Yeah, they just announced it earlier this year that it's yeah. in the works. Cool. And you, you have to know every single book out there, if it sells at all, is immediately put into like some sort of sales development, hey, we probably got- being developed, probably sold to someone. Hey, we got to finish that book. We do. Yeah, we're gonna get movie rights sold right away. <laughs> that book we're writing. <laughs> no, seriously, go for it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Right, here we go. Alex, you got a question or you want? Oh shoot, he stole my question too. I wasn't. I Alex. got another one I can go with anyone. Oh yeah. Okay, okay, here we go. I'm gonna shoot this one to everybody. What is your favorite extended edition of a Peter Jackson film? Keep in mind that he's not only done them for the Lord of the Rings films, but he's done the one for the Frighteners, he's done one for King Kong, I think he has one for Heavenly Creatures. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take that one first, if I may, because I've got the shortest answer. I've never seen one. <laughs> oh, really? Me, no. three hours of the Lord of the Rings movie is quite enough, and I wasn't interested in going back and watching it. Huh. I actually would like to go on my soapbox a little bit and say I feel like these extended versions... There's a reason why we have good editors, and the version that, ma- for the most part, the version that makes it to the theater, I feel, is the- there's a reason for that. And when we get these like sort of overextended cuts, I'm, I'm sure there are there are examples where you know, like maybe Blade Runner or something, where there there was a reason why we should have these really bloated versions of the same picture. But for the most part, I'm not a big fan of extended cuts or or unrated version. If I, if I were to step up onto your soapbox with you for a second and talk to you about this, I, I would say that the director's cut and the extended cut are two different things. Like, Blade Runner is a... Right, right, right. Like no, no, extended... they, they totally are. They totally are different things. But, yeah. No, I, I agree. But 
I'm I'm mainly talking about extended cuts. Yeah. Well, extended. I mean, that's for the Lord of the Rings series. So I'd say they're for the fans. I mean, they're they're really just for the fans. Those those particular movies because they know there's a certain segment of fans that'll just watch those ad nauseum. Yeah, I think for the most part, a director's cut though is almost always longer. I don't think I've ever heard of a director's cut being shorter. Actually, shorter. Is it the director's cut is shorter? Yes. Oh, okay. It's like a minute short. <laughs> but it's that's just like the exception, yeah. Hey, if someone has to defend extended editions, I will. <laughs> I love I love the fellowship extended edition. I, yeah, I love the fellowship. It, it makes things a little bit more clear. Yeah, it does a better job of laying out the bigger story and you get a you get all this sort of scenes and pieces which I know they don't need to be in a four hour movie at that point, but you get all the scenes that sort of add a little bit more to it. Yeah. There's a, that's why Fellowship in particular, more than the other two, has a lot of scenes that aren't in the theatrical cut that I just really enjoyed watching and that added yeah, some yeah. sort of like piece to the bigger story. Good. <laughs> Especially like the trolls. Uh, you'll see that in the extended version. Actually, then, since like, having watched the Fellowship of the Rings, the extended one before before I saw Hobbit, I was like, oh, that's actually neat that I saw that. <laughs> like, yeah. The trolls uh-huh. are in the uh, extended version, but not in the theatrical version for Fellowship. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a question for everybody too, um, and this could be our last one. Okay. Uh, all right, so you've got Foehammer, Orcus, Sting. If you guys had a battle sword, what would its name be? Oh, we had to name a sword. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> this is if when we when I think of this name, it's going to go in our book. Um. <laughs> I would dual wield, and it would call one law, and the other one order. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. But I like that. But, but okay, but ours. Ours for the book. Was, <laughs> yeah, thanks. It would be called. It would be called Fraskian. Fraskian. Yeah, because no one would know how to say it or spell it, so no one else could wield it. Oh, oh! You thought about that? Get up, right? It's like ah, oh, I can't spell this. I can't pick this up. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like that. It's like Thor's hammer. It's like Thor's hammer. You need you need Anthony Hopkins to whisper something gingerly into your ear. <laughs> Mark or Alex? Oh, the first thing that comes to mind is this bloody bastard. I like oh, it. Sounds like something out of yeah. Borderlands too. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't fit in the, the Tolkienverse. But, uh, Makes it, yeah, it, it gives its name away pretty If uh, we could have something as stupid as Mount Doom, I'm sorry, I really hate that name, then we could have something like Bloody Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Mount Doom? Jeez. Well, I, it's not that I don't like it, it's just like everything else has some elaborate name to it or, you know, is spoken in Elvish, and then it's like, oh, we're going to Mount Doom. Right? <laughs> where, yeah. Where's the evil at? Oh, it's at Mount Doom, guys. Oh, okay. No, no wonder he's born evil. So he's born in Mount. Uh, that's what the kids call it. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that's that should do it for no everybody. There's, wait, there's no, there's no uh, Mark Holbin sword. Oh, Mark, did you have a? Did you have a? Sword? No, I, I, I don't have any. Uh. He's more of a knife guy. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's get more a machine gun type. <laughs> oh snap! All right, let's, let's get to some about now quickies. Uh, TM. TM. Um, each week, a lot of movies come out. We don't always get to review every single one of them, so we might as well just have a little time for some quickies. Uh, Mark, did you see any other movies this week? Um, I actually no, I did not. I have not actually seen anything. Fair enough, Adam. Rewatching the Karate Kid series. Booyah! <laughs> that one. What, what is anything? Did you see the Did you see the one with Hilary Swank? I like that the one. The next yeah. Karate Kid. Yeah, you're the one, you're the, wow. one, you're the reason it has two percent on tomatoes. Is that why? So much. <laughs> I lived, uh, uh, loved to live and lived to love. All right. The karate kids. Alex, have you seen any uh, 
movies this week? Uh, yeah, I just watched Ted this weekend because I hadn't seen it yet. Did you like it? Um, you know, I, I didn't love it, but I get why everyone else loves it. <laughs> Let's say that. I, I, I would I would say that it's much better than any advertisement ever sold it as. Um, like, it actually has a you know a story to it, or a script. Like, there's actually some substance to it beyond just the That's why I character. like it, yeah. I like yeah. I like it because it's not mean. That's my kind of yeah. There's certainly you know un PC jokes, but it's not mean spirited. That's that's kind of the main reason I really like Ted. You know, it's it's so likable. They're Thunder Buddies for life. What's exactly? <laughs> you can't. Yeah, too. Alex's yeah. secret oh, plan to get Mark to say Thunder Buddies for life is completed. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta say it with like a Boston accent, Mark. Oh, Thunder Buddies. Buddies for life. No, no, that was terrible. That was terrible. Sorry. I apologize. I'm like Australian. I apologize to my East Coast brothers. No, that was awful. Abe, any cookies? I haven't seen anything new, no. Okay. I'll say that I've been watching the IT crowd, and I'm almost finished with it. And oh, cool. I've quite, yeah. I've quite enjoyed that show. It's quite good. It's a, <laughs> it is. It's very funny. I, and I'm not like a laugh track kind of guy these days, but I, I enjoyed it. I like, oh, I will throw out... Um, I finished it a few weeks ago, so it's not completely relevant, but we mentioned it, I mentioned it a few episodes ago, uh, finally finished the first season of Homeland and thoroughly enjoyed oh, that. Oh yeah, that's a solid first season. Yeah. So I know when we talked last, I was you know, still in the middle of it, but oh my gosh, what a conclusion. Mm. Yeah, I, I have all the second season saved up, so I'm ready, I'm going to like watch it over Christmas break. Oh nice, uh, yeah, can't wait to see the second season. Just get paranoid or something, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get to movie trailer talk. Each week, we try to discuss some of the latest movie trailers, and because there's like 18,000 trailers that have come out this week alone, we're just going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, the first one we'll get to is Star Trek Into Darkness. Now, I'll just ask this straight up. Who has seen the nine-minute opening of Star Trek Into Darkness? I have. Anyone else? <laughs> And watch The Hobbit and IMAX, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no is a possible answer, too. It does help me. <laughs> no, okay, no, <laughs> Your question made us quiet. <laughs> Apparently it did. Okay, I did not see it either, and I have a small story. I saw uh, Hobbit in IMAX, but it was not one of the IMAXs that had Star Trek in it. Oh, so lame. Well, uh, uh, I was getting it. Well, I'll say this: I'm the one person that didn't care because I don't. I'm not a Star Trek guy, so I, I, I was not like dissatisfied. It's like, all right, movie starting. Whatever. That's a little. You're important. not into this new. We'll talk about. We'll talk, we'll talk about the trailer, but um, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But uh, especially Adam. But um, every other every other geek in the theater. I include myself in that. I'm a geek, too. But every other geek in the theater was massively disappointed that they did not get to see a Star Trek introduction. There was one guy next to me who was like, I am so disappointed right now. It was hilarious. It just killed me. Anyway. Was like, really shiny, and did he pop it in front of you? That's weird, Abe. <laughs> it's going in the book. Yeah, Abe, um, don't, ever, don't ever talk again. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, so we at least all saw the trailer for Star Trek, then. Yes. Yes. Okay, so Adam, Adam, you're obviously not a fan of the JJ. I think we've actually made this clear on previous podcast episodes that you're not a big fan of the Star Trek. If you want to put it mildly, and much, <laughs> one, much one time I I asked you what the worst movie you ever saw was, and you said Star Trek. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Hey, man. He's in a hate. He's a Trekkie for life. Well, with, Very, with this reaction, with, it's, it's, with that said, let's just let's get to this one, and let's let's get since Alex is the only one that saw the nine minute opening prologue and the trailer. I assume. Um, yeah. What what are your thoughts on the uh, on, on Star Trek Into Darkness so far? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, it looks 
and awesome. Um, <laughs> contrary to what you guys are talking about. Uh, no, no, no. I, I think it looks really, really good. I think uh, JJ just went and upgraded everything as much as possible and said, I'm going to make it bigger and better in a hundred different ways and make it badass. And, uh, like, uh, he... It's really hard to tell with his previews because they hide so much about the movie that you yeah. can't really you can't really figure it out watching the footage like where anything goes. I mean, you can try to, but you don't really know. It's like so, Cloverfield all over yeah. again. It's like what is I don't know what this is about. Yeah, and that's I mean, it makes for an interesting experience in the end because even when we go see it, we're going to finally that's like the final point where we're actually going to be able to put the pieces together, but Right. Leading up to it and seeing the footage in the trailer and the pro the prologue like you guys haven't seen it but it doesn't it just makes it just sets up more questions it doesn't provide any answers at all um, does it feature does it feature like all the characters or just like Benedict Cumberbatch's character yeah no no it does it does I can explain it's just Benedict Cumberbatch is in it at the very beginning uh, for can, a brief can moment give, <laughs> can you give us any insight into Benedict Cumberbatch's character I know he's a villain but can you say no, the name I mean, one more time Benedict Cumberbatch Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch his, thank you his full name <laughs> um, I have I have more information than I'm not supposed, supposed to have so yeah yeah let, let's save that yeah. it's just so, I don't there was I, no airplane and there was no guy with a mask that, that wondered why someone would shoot a man before they threw him out of an airplane right <laughs> alright Okay. Got it's it. Not, it's, not, it's a different kind of prologue than Chris Nolan makes, and it's very much like here's the first action beat, and it's like a teaser. It's like a long nine minute teaser, where you just you just want to see more, but it doesn't answer any questions. It just sets up a hundred different things that the rest of the movie will answer. Right. Yeah. Oh. Abe, what are your thoughts on the, the the preview, the trailer? You know, I I, I thought that it looked pretty cool, uh, and more actiony. Uh, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of Benedict. Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch. Yeah. So, no, like, I love him in Sherlock. I like, or I liked him in Warhorse a lot. I think that was like the better, the better story in, in Warhorse. He, he was great as the nostril of smog and unexpected journey. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think he was actually uh, scale number twenty-two. <laughs> but I enjoyed Star Trek two thousand and the two thousand nine version, and so I think that I'm going to enjoy this one as well. For for those who don't get it, Benedict Carl Cumberbatch does play the, the he does play smog in the these Hobbit movies, he will. He will be the voice. I, yeah, which intrigues me because apparently the dragon has a voice. I don't. I he, he really, he really disappeared into the role. I, he was like <laughs> yeah. almost unrecognizable. You couldn't even tell it was him. Yeah, I, that was that was crazy. Give that a movie best makeup right there. Um, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, what'd you think? Take that cloud, Alice. Uh, well, let's see. Well, from what I saw. Uh, those those two guys that we love run through like a field of red vines and they jump off a cliff and then they cap <laughs> they manage to capture Sherlock and I assume that Sherlock you know he talks a big game and they're all like no we're talking a bigger game and then he manages to pull off some kind of deception just like every villain that gets caught midway through the movie does and you know crashes a ship into San Francisco and then more action and adventure ensues into darkness and chaos and super into, into darkness uh, I mean okay I. I, I'm not down on Star Trek like Adam is, but I'm just not not that guy, and so I'm happy that J.J. Abrams is making a movie that looks to be really action heavy and probably gonna be really cool and stuff for like the bigger fans. I'm gonna see it because you know that's what I do, and I like J.J. Abrams movies in general. And I, as much as I'm indifferent towards the Star Trek movie, I did like those characters, so I'm happy to see them back. And maybe who knows? Maybe this movie will turn me around on Star Trek altogether doubtful but it could happen <laughs> but with that said I, I certainly do think that there's 
plenty of plenty of plenty of landscape to explore in terms of how JJ Abrams approaches this universe and especially with his utilization of like IMAX cameras and having this, you know, the great cast that he has and the people involved again. And I, I think there's a lot to look forward to from a lot of different regards beyond just being a Star Trek fan or not cool. fan. Mark? Yeah, I, I like, uh, JJ Abrams, Star Trek. I'm excited to see this. Um, the, the trailer I saw was just the one minute trailer and it's like a teaser trailer and uh, it is – what's one of these things that's edited so quickly that you're like – it almost hurts to watch it because the scenes keep changing. But, I mean, there's – it looks like there's a lot of, like, incredible um, visuals um, and, you know, I think it's – I think it's going to – I think it's going to be great. So I, I'm, ex, I'm excited to see it. And I do like the fact that J.J. Abrams does kind of hide his hand. He doesn't, he doesn't show too much. He, he wants you to kind of – go to see the movie, which is the point of a trailer is not to give away everything. Oh, in terms of so in I, terms of showmanship, yes. J.J. Abrams says like, yeah. he's, he's, he's a master of this at this point. I mean, What's weird, Mark, is that you could actually see anything because there were no screen like, there were no screen flares. No, right. no lens flares? Yeah, no, no lens flares, yeah. I was, and, uh, I was a little yeah. disappointed that there weren't <laughs> any in the trailer. Were there, were there lens flares in the opening prologue, Alex? Uh, yes, there's probably. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Right. Anyway, I'm, Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm we, looking we for you for last because we want to know how much hatred you have to spill. And here's the thing. J.J. Abrams makes cool trailers. He does. But by the same token, I mean, I'm watching this trailer, and, you know, of course, the Trekkie in me is trying to figure out, well, who the heck is Benedict Cumber, Cumberbatch, Cumberlatch? I'm not trying to say his last name. I'm not, you know, who is this guy? Is it Khan? Is it Gary Mitchell? Is it Charlie X? Is it somebody else? Who the heck is it? Which apparently, for the record, um... I guess uh, they released a production still, and, and the character is, is uh, credited as being somebody named John Harrison, um, which I'm not exactly sure who that is. Mm. But here's the thing. I mean, yeah, the movie on its own, it looks cool. But for my money, I just can't get fooled again. I went and saw the last one because everybody said it looked great, and it ended up being just as bad as I thought it could have been, and, and it ended up being that bad. And I just had such a viscerally negative reaction to the first film I literally cannot do that to myself again. Wow. Powerful words. And that is who you should send your hate mail to, J.J. Abrams. Okay. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll meet you I'll meet you with the OK Corral at midnight. Star, Star Trek Into Darkness is a fun title to say in a sentence. Uh, opens on May 17, 2013. Our next trailer, uh, Pacific Rim, is the new film from Guillermo del Toro. Finally directing a film again, I know. which is <laughs> nice, nice to see. Um, this trailer, well, this movie is about basically aliens have come to Earth, and so we have built giant robots to fight these giant aliens, and the film has Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba, Charlie Day from Always Sunny, and uh, Rinko Kikuchi, I believe. Oh, yeah, I think that's her. Yeah. Is that really? Is that her? Yeah. yeah, yeah from uh, Brothers Bloom and also... Uh... Babble. 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 Babble, yes. And, He's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, big giant robots versus giant aliens. Very large scale indeed. Um, let's see, actually, I believe, what, Alex, you were there too. We both saw footage of this. Did you see the Comic-Con footage, Alex? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, so, yeah we saw this Comic-Con footage, and we've been salivating about it since then. But now it's finally available for everyone to see. Abe, what did you think of the Pacific Rim trailer? I thought it looked pretty fantastic. Uh, I think that there was like a sense of urgency that was brought to you when you saw this trailer, even though it was like two minutes long. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna hold off until maybe like because I'm sure that 
Comic Con trailer stuff was excellent, but yeah, it looks pretty good so far. Mark, um, I don't know. It 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 looks like a big budget special effects film. It looks like it could be like Battleship or something. So it looks a lot like uh, Godzilla. I don't I don't know what the story is, but when I was watching it, it 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 looked like that, like Godzilla being unearthed from the sea and coming out and attacking. Um, so I mean, it could be good. It but it, it could also be horrible. I, it, I, I wasn't really very. I wasn't, really, I wasn't really swayed to go see it, but I guess I'll, it's kind of a wait and see attitude. I guess I do like the fact that Guillermo del Toro is actually directing a film. Finally, I looked. I had to look it up. The last movie he directed was Hellboy Two, which I did enjoy. Um, you know, and then he's done a lot of executive producing, including something horrible called "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." I don't know. Yep, if... yeah, Thank you, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, that, that was the episode that was like... I was on the podcast and hadn't even seen the movie. That was fun. <laughs> that was a forget about it movie, dude. Right, it totally was. So, and he had a lot to. Do. He didn't direct that film, but he had a lot to do with it. He wrote right. it. He, he produced it. He, so his he, he was involved in that one. But anyway, um, but he is talented. I mean, he did Pan's Labyrinth, and so for that reason alone, I will always. You know, I will always keep a possibility that this could be great. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. Adam? I have a lot of respect for Del Toro. Um, and kind of like Mark said, I mean, I, I love Pan's Labyrinth. And he's a true artist, and he's, he's that rare combination of... He, he's, he's a big nerd, but he's also a great artist, which mm-hmm. is a rare combination. Same token, I mean, the trailer looks lame. I mean, I get a kind of a Transformers vibe off the whole thing. I mean, I'll go see the movie just because it's Del Toro and I trust him. And he's earned that kind of, you know, he's earned that kind of trust, I think, given his his track record. But I can't really deny that the movie looks pretty lame, just in general. All right, Alex? Bam! That was was brutal. (laughs) Two for two with Alex. Because, no, I... Maybe maybe this movie just plays to my sensibilities perfectly. But I look at this trailer, I'm like, man, this is this looks badass. How can anyone not like this? But I understand it's just basically a big CG monster spectacle, literally on both sides. You know, the mod, the robots are CG, the monsters are CG. And so I, I can, I guess, I can understand the dislike for it. But I just think it looks cool. I just think it looks like the giant, the giant monsters versus robots movie that we all but, wanted to see. The Alex. <laughs> Alex, did you see Battleship? No, because I knew it was going to suck, so I didn't want yeah, to waste my yeah, time. No this, is, this is not the same thing. I can no, see the comparison. It, I get Battleship but... vibes from this, but I don't know. I could from, be wrong. From, but... from, from certain dialogue? Just from just certain... the yeah, just the CGI like, all being thrown at the screen, and I don't know. It, it also looks a little bit like um, uh, the, that, the remake of Godzilla, too. Which I didn't care for. See, I don't get that vibe at all. The, yeah. guy, the Emmerich Godzilla and even Battleship. I, yeah, Emmerich. I, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, I it looks like a Roland Emmerich film. Wow. <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> I, I was completely on board with this. I mean, I, knowing that it's Guillermo del Toro going in, I'm like, all right, let's see what he has to offer. And he presents people with, like, just the, 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 use, the use of scope in this trailer is what impressed me the most. Just the... Yeah, sure, yeah, you can relate it to Transformers or Godzilla in terms of, hey, there's big things battling each other again, but it feels, there's, it, there's, there's a certain, I don't know, weight or just kind of a look to this film where you just see kind of the size that's being portrayed here, and it that just gets to me right away. I'm just, I was just into what this thing was presenting to me in just a teaser alone. Even the Comic-Con, but there wasn't like much more, it was like maybe like five minutes as opposed to like two and a half minutes there, but I mean, it's, 
I I liked what I saw, and I'm very intrigued by this as a summer blockbuster film. This is the kind of film I want to see during the summer, and it looks like a large spectacle film that can has a lot of potential to be awesome. And you have Idris Elba yelling out, we're canceling the apocalypse. That screams cool to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, Pacific Rim opens in uh, theaters July 12, 2013. So let's... Uh, let's Let's just get to it. Let's get to our our main review for The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. Me? No, 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 no. Hobbits can pass unseen by most if they choose, which gives us a distinct advantage. We will seize this chance to take back Erebor. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? I'm going on an adventure. Mithrandir, why the halfling? Why Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it is because I'm afraid. It gives me courage. So this is your purpose? To enter the mountain? What of it? There are some who would not deem it wise. A dark part has found a way back into the world. Why don't we have a game of riddles? And if it loses, what then? If it loses, precious, then we eat it. If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. Fair enough. So that should have been some of the trailer for The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. This is the new film from director Peter Jackson. It's based off of the J.R.R. Tolkien novel The Hobbit, part of it because this is part one of that story, which will be, you know, there will be two follow-up films as well. And not only is it a part of The Hobbit, but it, is, it takes uh, it takes from the Silmarillion. Did I say that right? Oh, you did. Thank you. Uh, his, some of the appendices and unfinished works from J.R.R. Tolkien. Just basically, it's just a giant mashup of everything that Tolkien's done besides the Lord of the Rings films. And so you have some of that story in here. It stars Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins, a hobbit from the Shire, who has been recruited by Gandalf the Grey, played by Ian McKellen, to join his company of dwarves, who are being led by Thorin Oakenshield, played by Richard Armitage, who are on a quest to retrieve their stolen land from a dragon named Smog. And so Bilbo basically joins to be a part of an adventure, and they many various perilous adventures ensue as they try to reach the lonely mountain that they are going walking, rushing, running, eagling towards, all of, all that. of, the above. All of those things. Okay, so, uh, just to, I just want to say this now. I am aware that some of us have seen this in 48 frames per second. I want to hold that part off until later on. Let's just go with initial thoughts right now on the film, and I'm going to let Mark start this. Okay, so my overall reaction is I really enjoyed it. I think it was a stunning execution of Tolkien's magical text, um, I read the text actually when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. I don't remember exactly when, but it, I've, it's always been a book that I really treasured. And I think that for an adaptation of a novel, I think Peter Jackson does a really good job at rendering these visionary passages from the book into a, a an actual physical manifestation that is quite impressive. Um, I do have it, – it's funny because I really do enjoy the movie overall. However – it is a 310-page children's book, and there 
they've made it into three films, and the first film is three hours. And I, I do have a problem with that. It, the fact that he's expanded it so much, I think, does stretch the narrative awfully thin. And I, I can totally agree with any criticisms that people have with the fact that the movie is stretched really thin. And it takes a very long time to get started. The, I mean, literally, I think it's one chapter of the book takes the first hour of the movie. And it, there's even two prologues that I think are completely unnecessary. They should have just started with the people showing up at um, Bilbo's house. But those those criticisms aside, once it got started, I was on board. I really... I got wrapped up in his journey and his, you know, going from the beginnings of of a, of a this little hobbit into somebody who's sort of looking within himself and finding courage, and you see the beginnings of that in this film. And I I, I was wrapped up in the journey, and by the end, I, I really loved it. Awesome, cool. uh, Alex. What are your thoughts? Oh, he nailed it. He nailed it. I don't know. I almost don't even need to say anything. No, honestly, because uh, I was very, I was very, I was very worried we we're gonna get all the people who were like, "This is crap," and I think we may get to them anyway. But uh, no, I, I'm, I'm right there with Mark. I just, I just thought it was a, like entertaining, enjoyable. Just uh, like he's, he's made, and this isn't a, a bad thing, and this is something to discuss. Basically, is that he's made a big, entertaining kids movie, and it is like. He, the Tolkien material he's adapting is a kid's book. It's just, yes. it's got singing and dancing and trolls and goblins and dwarves. It's lighthearted. And, it's, yeah. it's not the same, yeah. So it's just, it's just this big fun adventure that, um, uh, the other thing I was to say and the other thing that Mark touched on briefly and I think he got it perfectly is that this is just the start of an adventure and that while they are stretching the pieces of it, um, I feel like he, he we're, he's introducing so many characters for us to, follow across three movies, not just one. So we're only just seeing that third of the, their full arc. And that includes all 13 of the dwarves, Bilbo, you know, all of these people, even Gandalf, his arc we won't see completed until the third movie. So we're just getting into, like, this introduction of characters on a mass scale, which it's fun, it's entertaining to meet all of them, and by the end, by, by the time we get to the third movie, and by the time they get to the Lonely Mountain, I think we'll just feel like we're the same kind of friends that we've followed along this entire journey with um, in the same way that we did with Lord of the Rings and that journey. Adam? Um, I like the movie, but I, I think it really, whether or not a person likes the movie depends on what they kind of bring to the table as far as their expectations go. I mean, I'm not a Tolkien head. This is actually, ironically enough, The Hobbit is the only one of his books that I've read, um, albeit rather haphazardly. Um, so I, I wasn't one of those people that went into it knowing the source material backwards and forwards and whatnot. I think as an adventure story, you know, it's it's fun and it it it's swords and sorcery and a little bit of a dragon and battles and all that stuff. And there's a lot of fun stuff to be had. I think where the movie runs into some trouble um, is in the film's tone, because from what I understand, The Hobbit is a very whimsical children's story. Whereas The Lord of the Rings is an incredibly somber, somber story with, with the fate of the whole world at stake. Whereas the stakes are so much lower in this film, when Peter Jackson tries to reach into the same bag of tricks and have some of the same you know, somber you know, people parading around in Rivendell and having these deep discussions about whether or not they should go on this journey and all this whatnot, it seems rather self-serious in moments like that. And it doesn't really, it seems to kind of miss the mark a bit. So I kind of wish that Peter Jackson had either stuck more with the source material 
or had really tried to link it more heavily to The Lord of the Rings. Um, I think on its own, it's not a bad movie, if not a bit long, as some have already said. But I think the tonal awkwardness kind of keeps it from being the great movie that it might have been. I actually really enjoyed The Hobbit a lot. I think that there was a lot to it that... um, I remember reading stuff that people were saying, oh, it's really long and boring. I was like, I didn't get any of that. I was really with it. I was with their, their the dwarves' plight to try and, say, take back their homeland. Um, I think the only part that kind of confused me a little bit were, were the goblins, because I think they were calling them orcs at some point, and I don't know, it's just weird. But I thought that it was enjoyable. As, as far as tone goes, no real qualms on the tone. Um, I think the only thing I didn't really like was uh, some of the dis- some of the, like that early sequence stuff, because it looked like it was really going for that 48 frames thing, and it kind of like blurred in some of the battle scenes. I just watched it in regular TV. Um, so, yeah. All right. Um, I basically agree with Adam. Uh, I Everything that he pointed out is kind of the, the same kind of uh, positives and negatives I have towards the film. I think the um, getting, to come back, getting to come back to Middle-Earth, um, I enjoyed that, and I like the fact that Peter Jackson has managed to create this kind of living, breathing world that... It's, it seems like a really well-developed one. I really like being a part of it, and I like that he's able to... It doesn't as much feel like a been-there-done-that thing. It feels like there's he's actually, he's actually brought in some kind of new landscapes that we're seeing for the first time, and like there's a lot of various set pieces that are like... They're fun to watch, and they don't just like straight-up remind me of Lord of the Rings. They feel like new additions to this world, and I, like, I, I appreciated that aspect of it. I do think the... I guess my, the, the issue I have the film, with the film, which relates to the fact that it runs long is that it seems it almost seems episodic in a way and it's it, because of that it feels like there are certain things you could have cut out and make it a more concise film overall and just save some of that stuff for you know the extended cut even though there already is going to be an extended cut when it comes out <laughs> like what like what well i mean okay as much, as cool as it is to see giant rock monsters why are there giant <laughs> rock monsters in this movie? That was, that was <laughs> awesome. yeah, that was- oh my gosh Aaron, that was one of my favorite scenes of the whole. Yeah, thing. me too. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's really cool lore that they're putting in here." Oh, yeah. yeah. Seemed a bit awkward. I'm watching it. Like, just kind of wait a minute. There are there are giant monsters here. How did this happen? It just like it, yeah, it literally just cuts right into the scene, and there is no explanation in it. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, like I mean, again, it's an awesome but, thing, but I would like actually the original story is more episodic. Peter Jackson actually made it less so. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, because it, it is kind of like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. So, okay, and then, yeah. then you have scenes like Galadriel and Sar- Sauron, or Saruman, and them, like, you know what, that's just kind of hang out together, and it's like, yeah, what, this is, we need this, like... Uh, that wasn't even part of, see, that's part of the appendices. That's actually not part of, in the huh? original book, nothing, it's all about the Hobbit. So nothing that he doesn't see, anything he doesn't see isn't part of the book. So in those scenes where you don't see the Hobbit, that's added. Okay, well, I mean that, that doesn't change my thought on the film. It's, I mean, it's not added. It's 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 something that's yeah. in the appendices. It's it's something that he found in the book, but it's something that you he that was not part of the actual. Okay. Well, story. I mean, if you're you're describing things like that to me, then I'm I. It justifies the fact that there are going to be three movies, but at the same time, that stuff could be saved for, like, an extended cut, and I could just watch a straight-up movie about The Hobbit. I mean, that... Again, it's that's not... That scene with... It worked, like, all, it, that didn't have to be with, with all this, it's not stuff that, you know... It, I mean, it, it does diminish the film for me in terms of how I, you know, rate this movie overall, but it there it's a lot of... Good, I do like the movie 
uh, quite a bit overall. Like, I do think it is very good. I do think I, I would compare it to Fellowship in the same way that I was happy to get this, not necessarily get this one out of the way, but I, I acknowledge that it does set up a lot of things, and I am looking forward to the following films more. Um, yeah, and like I'm not a I'm not a ring guy. I'm not a huge ring guy. I like I like the films for sure, and I like I like them progressively more as they go along. I like Two Towers more than Fellowship. I like Return of the King more than Two Towers. That's where I stand on it. And so I had the same kind of reaction here, where I do feel like I'm gonna really like the Desolation of Smog and there and back again more, just because I have I have this setup already, so I'm like ready to like really get into this adventure. Cool. I thought, I thought you were about to give it like a however. Uh, <laughs> Hobbit still sucks. Uh, no, um, there was almost more to that. Uh, no, uh, you, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> so I was going to try to say something in response to you, but I don't, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Minus, this is why I'm looking forward to the next two. Is that you know, you know, there's more to come, and I don't. It's not that we can't be critical of the first one, but obviously that. Dude, we're, we haven't seen the complete story, so we don't. Yeah, well, and okay, well, with with that, I mean, Fellowship. As much as I think it's, as much as I think it's the the least of the three movies, I feel like that works better. I that's me. I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, every yeah. time I watch Fellowship, that's a standalone every, movie. Every yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. But every time I watch Fellowship, I try to like it more, and I just can't seem to do it. But when I watch Fellowship, at least it feels good as a standalone movie. Like I feel like. I could watch that and, like, be fine not watching the other two for, like, a while. This one, it just feels like it kind of stops when it ends. It just, and, like, it, it, <laughs> I feel, it doesn't feel like there's... A- well, there's not only that, too, but there are several points at the narrative in the narrative where you think, okay, you could stop here, and then it keeps going. Maybe you could stop here, and then it keeps going. And But, I mean, for me, I just knew that it wasn't... Like, I knew that this was not going to be the, the final film of the series, so I was like, okay, I'm fine with wherever they stop it. I know there's going to be at least two more other, two other movies. So, I was like, yeah, whenever it stops, it stops. But if you want to, if you want to go back to Fellowship, I mean, you could make the same argument that Fellowship is a bit abrupt where it ends, too. But by the same token, the overall experience has been much more cohesive, I think, whereas The Hobbit, like Aaron kind of pointed out it being a bit episodic and whatnot, and I, like I said, I just think it just it's this awkward blend of what I understand the source material to be to, okay, we got to tie all this stuff together with Lord of the Rings because there's people who like, you know, who haven't seen, who haven't read the books at all, so we got to make it interesting for them. And from what I understand, I mean, there are even entire characters that are made, created solely for the film that, you know, I, I believe the primary uh, antagonist, yeah, the, main the orc, character. he's not in the, the, the books at all. Oh, and they got up I just wonder if some of that was for the best. Yeah. Interesting. Well, here's a here's a question for you guys. Would if this remained the two movies that it was originally supposed to be, and therefore you know was a little bit more condensed, would do you think it would have resulted in better films? I mean, at least of the film we've seen so far, would it would it would an unexpected journey itself being a two-parter have been better if it if there was more of the progression to Lonely Mountain and then for you know it, uh, in that regard knowing that I I don't so I don't know this story because I haven't read the book so I don't know what's going to happen in the preceding you know films or story so if it was still two parts I I I guess I I can imagine I might be happier knowing that I'm being that I know I'm being told half of a story but knowing that 
all these, not only is the Hobbit being incorporated, but all this other text that Tolkien has written and related to this universe, that that's all going to be incorporated too. I don't necessarily know what I'm going to expect in two yeah. more films from here. I don't like beyond just getting to yeah. this mountain and there's a necromancer. At this point, you mean? At this what, point. Like, what else we're going to see? Yeah, what else we're going to see that needs to, yeah. that needs to be told over through, like, sorry, spoilers for the Hobbit, but I mean, we kind of have an idea of where, the, like, they're going to this mountain and the mountain's an eye shot. I mean, so, like, I need two more films to get to this mountain. Like, that's kind of, so it's like, what do Dude, they've got to eat, and, like, you know. <laughs> Aaron, and you always talk about, like, the Lord of the Rings is, like, it's just a bunch of people walking. I don't talk it's about more that. Them. It's more than, it's a, it's a journey. It's a, it's a, it, it's a personal journey, and it's, it's the development of a character. I mean, with The Hobbit, it's not about the walking. It's about him becoming, I mean, you can even see this in The Hobbit, the, what we've seen so far. It's about this guy who lives up, he's a complacent homebody, and he's venturing out of his comfortable domicile to become this, well, whatever he becomes. But, you know, he, he's, he's going on a journey. And you have to get wrapped up in that. And even, um, the character Thorin starts to see this at the end of the film, where they, you know, uh, well, they have some discussions and stuff. And, you, yeah. you see how, like, uh, there are some changes. I mean, uh, I don't remember Thorin hating elves so much and being so grumpy. From the ori- it's been a while hey, since let's, I've seen Let's, let's go. Let's, 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 let's talk about these. Let's talk about the characters a little bit. Let's talk about the actors in here. Um, okay. I, I do think Martin Freeman's very good as uh, as Bilbo. Yeah. I, I really yeah. like Martin Freeman in general, and I was very happy with his performance in this film. I think he's very solid, and I really like the – he has a way of playing this kind of straight man role that – works that works well given kind of the exaggerated situations that he gets himself into and i like, yeah, I like a straight man everyday man kind of role and I, I like i like what he brought to that uh company shall not be liable for injuries inflicted by or sustained as a consequence thereof including but not limited to lacerations evisceration incineration oh i am not the flesh off your bones in the blink of an eye You're right, laddie. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Feel a bit faint. Think furnace with wings. Yeah, I, I, I need air. Flash of light, searing pain, then poof! You're nothing more than a pile of ash. Hmm. Nope. I, I like that uh, interaction with um, uh, Gollum. Like that scene. Yeah, thought. no, I thought that the, the the CG design on that was fantastic during that. Sequence. He seems better, even doesn't he? I would, yeah, I would, I would agree. To, which, okay. which is a shame. But yeah, compared to the lead orc in this movie, it seems weird that yeah. Gollum feels so like he's there with you in the movie. Like he's there exactly. While, while the, or, while the big orc guy, he looks exactly like a fake CGI monster character thing. And the dogs too. Those I've got to got to jump in on, on Martin Freeman. Um, he does, you know, he's certainly not the actor that his Uncle Morgan is, but you know, by the by the same token. <laughs> no, I really liked him as, as as Bilbo. I think in a lot of ways, like, for example, Frodo, he always, Elijah Wood always plays Frodo as this very angsty, earnest kind of guy, whereas Bilbo's just very pragmatic. He doesn't really, really read outside the box very much. It's just kind of, he sees a problem, he tries to solve it, whatnot. There's a bit in the film that I really love where he says that, uh, when Thorin's like, hey, man, you know, I, he doesn't say, hey, man. But no, he says, I hate you, Bilbo. Go on. I really, you know, I doubted you from the start. And Bilbo's like, that's quite all right. I would have doubted me, too. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I love I love that approach. Um, 
but to kind of go back to what Mark was saying about you know the journey and whatnot. Let's stick with the characters. Adam, Adam, can we can we stick with the characters for a little bit? Okay, it's so like so many characters to go over. <laughs> then have at it. <laughs> oh, oh. Now be in the extended version, Adam. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> part three of the podcast. <laughs> Thorn was good too. I don't know who the actor is. Richard Armitage. Yeah, yeah uh, I like his, uh, his gravitas. I so I didn't. <laughs> really? I, okay, I wouldn't say that he gives a bad performance, but I don't like this character. <laughs> I. Well, it's it's changed I, from the book. Mark, you can keep referencing the book all you want. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, <laughs> Thor, Thor, it, like, he's angry in the movie. His homeland was taken to him. His very, father was he's killed. angry throughout this movie. Every five minutes, he tags it with Bilbo. I hate you, by the way, and then continues to walk on with the with the with the. That's his character. Yeah, that's he's, all he is. That's all he does. Right, but by the end of the movie, he finally starts to like. Well, he's, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> turning the corner. He needs to go suck a lemon and like sit in the corner and have some rest time by himself for a while. Why would so, why, why would a sour person desire more sour food? So to wean him off of it, of course. The, uh, <laughs> he's he's so negative in this movie, and like it's, it got really irritating. I, I well, I, I understand. I understand the point of view that Ruiz come from. So I was just like, that that's fine. Plus, I you think- know. Part of the problem is the fact that they are taking basically, I don't know what it is, six or seven chapters and making a three-hour movie. And so this character of Thorin doesn't change much in six or seven chapters. So he's not going to change in the in the course of the movie. But, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, do, I did mention when I originally started talking about the film, I do feel like they've stretched it a little thin. I mean, I don't think that The, the Hobbit should, should have been three movies. And then, I mean, if each movie is three hours, that's a little ridiculous. But... Um, that's the kind of you know, that's the kind of place it shows though where you're stretching it because you literally have no other you have nothing to do with this character right you're just so that's the same that's right throughout. so that's why especially so when you have you know 13 other dwarves or whatever in this movie I mean and you have one character to follow or you know one uh, among the lead characters of the film you just have this one guy who's just this person that's just irritating to watch the whole time uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And you saw it twice. Hey, I'm happy, I'm, I'll be happy to see him, you know, develop I, I more. I find him irritating. I, so I, I found him irritating. And I'll, be, I'll, be happy, those... I'll be happy to see him develop more in the following two films. But for now, he's just that. Well, he started, guy. he started to change in this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, like, yeah. Are, yeah. Are there any other particular characters of note that you guys see in the Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Alex, Alex, what do you think? No, no, I was going to mention one of the other dwarves that I've grown a liking for. Um, I think it's, uh, I always forget exactly what name he is. Do you do you eat what? Which the guy who eats all the time? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Is it, are you thinking of Willy, Dilly, Killy, Hilly, Billy, Chilly, Willy, or Billy? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the problem with this. Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's Ballin. The dude with the really big gray beard. The white beard? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, he's, he has the feeling to me of the father of the group, which is really weird because Thorin is obviously the leader and the, like, king of it. But he's, this is the guy that's, like, been around forever and is, like, always chill. And he, he's just kind of, like, he like, knows the situation. He knows what's going on. He knows everyone there. Like, um, yeah, he's like, if you didn't have Gandalf, it would be that character. Like, just how, like, yeah. he's, like, like, Thorin's, like, the Aragorn of the group. And you can yeah. tell you, there's that. See, there's the difference right there. I like Aragorn, right? You know, like I like, and I like, and, and, and I like, um, not Fer- not Faramir, Bar- Boromir. I, Boromir. And, but like, but it does. And even those, like Boromir is not exactly like his character. His arc is. You see his arc in that film much more. I mean, I guess he's in one film though. I, I don't well, know. I just don't like Thorin. That's that's where I'm coming. At. Yeah, I know. But I think, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, I just think he's building up these. You have so many dwarves to uh, <laughs> part of my choice of words here, but play with uh, that he's he's been introducing a bunch of them to allow us to, in the same way we got attached to certain characters in Lord of the Rings, get attached to certain dwarves in this one to the point where we haven't even. There's a couple of them that we've barely gotten more than one line of dialogue from. There's one that like has an axe buried in his head that I yeah. like quite a bit. But we barely see him in this one. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we've got more movies to explore these guys in. But so far, I'm really liking Ball. And I really like Thorin, despite your dislike of him. I love I'm, him. I'm basically on the same page with Alex here. Well, even like, yeah. even, like Fellowship, there's like a lot of characters in Fellowship, too, though. But I felt like I had a bigger attachment to them at the end of the That's because there are only nine there. There are 15 here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, the remember, the movie is called The Hobbit. I don't think you have to have an attachment to Thorin or any any of the dwarfs for that matter. I mean, it, it's about The Hobbit. That is, I mean, I mean, maybe okay. he made a mistake by making Thorin so. I think Thorin seems to be a pretty. I mean, he's almost like a co-protagonist. Well, I think it's supposed to be about the Hobbit. I think it ends up being about a, a lot of these different characters. You know? Right, right, right. And for the record, I'm I'm pretty cool with Thorin. I mean, he's he's fine. I'll stand alone and fight my hatred of Thorin. <laughs> The character I want to give some love to is Radagast. That guy. Is yes, awesome. that dude. I was gonna bring him up too. Thanks, Adam. I, I I like you too. Talk about him. He reminds me of a friend of mine. He reminds <laughs> you of a friend of you? What? No, if if, Rad- if my friend was a wizard, like that's exactly the kind of wizard that she would be, and it'd be awesome. No, oh, he just reminds me of like um, who's the dude in Alien? Who's the uh, android? John Hurt. Oh, like, home. Not, yeah, in no. home. Bilbo. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, not the android, but he reminds me of like a John Hurt kind of character, like in like in a, a Harry Potter, like as the wand maker dude. He's just quirky, uh, but I, I liked him a lot. And it was kind of sad that he had all these hedgehogs that he was trying to save. Play. Oh, dude, I loved it when they were they asked him, uh, "Did you think you're gonna run these orcs and whatever?" And he was like, "Well, they you you know you don't know my rabbits." It's like I I was awesome. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> But it was he's cool like a character. He's kind of a really nice counterbalance to characters like Gandalf and Sauron, who we see these very serious wizards. And Gandalf's a little more whimsical. And then we see Radagast, who's just kind of like off the deep end of the whimsical. Radagast the Brown. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Alex? Oh, he just seems. Uh, he just seems like a character that he's being set up to be used in the future. Kind of like in the Harry Potter movies when mm-hmm. they had to introduce a couple of characters where they're like, we don't really need them in this movie, but we need them three movies from now. Yeah, like I know he has an important role in this one, but he's—I have a feeling he's—you know—he's he's meant to be introduced for the the many purposes he has later on. I think because he, he turns into a bear in the next one, right? Am I wrong? Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, moving into the technical aspects, I did not watch this in 48, and I didn't watch it in 3D. So let me know what you guys thought about those. Let's talk. Okay, let's talk about the 48. Uh, Alex, what are your what are your thoughts on the 48 frames per second? Oh God! Uh, I wrote an article about it that you guys might have read, or probably not. I can but, link to um, it in the show notes section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid for anyone to read it at this point. <laughs> but uh, basically, I said that I've seen it twice now in 48 frames, um, and my experience, even upon the second time, and I went to see it again before I wrote anything to confirm how I felt with the 48 frames, was that. I'm actually seeing what I believe is, um, <laughs> I'm choosing my words carefully here, but I was going to say that I think what I'm seeing is a hint at the future in terms of mm. the clarity of movies, and that I can I can break down the entire point of 48 Frames to the idea that we're not, 
the, the idea of 24 frames from the beginning was not a mistake, but just chosen um, out of the sake of, of mechanical reasons in the past, and that we should all be watching higher frame rates, but we're not because 24 frames has become the standard, which has just been used for so many years that everything we've seen up until this point is 24 frames, and that's all we're used to. And now we're finally getting to the norm, which is that when you see this, by the second time I was watching it, the clarity and the quality of detail in, especially action scenes in 48 frames per second is what yeah. really won me over. Is that I was just thinking to myself, like, I've never been able to see action look this good on a screen before. It's, it's, I guess because it usually has the motion blur or whatever, but that, that was my, those are my basic thoughts on it and I'll, and I'll gladly argue and defend it. Because I know many people hate it and just get sick of it in it, and I can and I understand the, the, the issues with it. Of you know, it looks jittery. And it looks like everything's doubled because you're seeing more frames. It just it looks weird, but I think it just takes time to get used to. Honestly, did anyone else see this in 48 frames per second? I did. Mark, did you? No, I saw it in 24. Did you see it in 2D or 3D? 2D. Right. <laughs> yeah, Mark. You <laughs> did shoot it in 3D. Just saying. But Adam, what did you think yeah. of the uh, 48? Um, I have a pretty notorious hatred for high frame rates just because I have a couple family members with, like, some LCD TVs with super high frame rate stuff, and it, I remember just watching movies at their house and not being ready for it, and then sort of just having kind of like my gag reflex trigger just because it, I think it, um, at its worst it can really rob the, just the cinema of all grace just because it's so herky-jerky and whatnot. I got used to the high frame rate in The Hobbit. I mean, at first, it's very noticeable. Um, I do think that having that much action at the beginning of the film while you're trying to adjust is a bit of a mistake because in high frame rate, the the action sequence at the beginning is nearly incomprehensible. It's really tough to get your bearings visually as far as what's going on. So I got used to it, um, and then you know I would kind of notice it if I, you know, looked for it and whatnot. Um, as far as a 3D goes, I mean, it really it makes everything, the image is incredibly vivid, but by the same token, you at least I did, I, I tended to forget I was watching a 3D movie and just sort of ended up just watching the movie and something would pop out at me and I'd remember, oh yeah, this is in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I got used to the 48 frames per second, but I am not, I think it's an interesting experiment, but it's not one that I really am hopeful will catch on. I, I like my 24 just fine. I, um... So, yeah, I did see this in the 48 frames per second in 3D, and it's, like, yeah, it does, it does, it resembles that kind of auto motion plus feature on your home HD television. That's kind of what it gives you, and it's, it's interesting. I, like, I almost, I almost wish there was, like, another film that preceded this one that came out in 48 frames per second, and then the high. It feels like having The Hobbit, you know, a three-hour epic movie being your, like, prime first use of this, you know, format... It's. I don't know if that was the most ideal choice. It, it would, I mean, it, it, like that. It's a big movie event. Like this is the one you're testing out with. You know, having this completely new tech idea for presenting a film. And I would say that the action sequences certainly look pretty great with it. Like especially like the the more darkly lit ones. Like there's a sequence involving like the the troll caves or whatever. Right. And that scene looks amazing. Like, the way that action is shown and the way the 3D conveys the depth in that scene where you have, like, this just giant cavern with bridges and things going top to bottom and going way into the distance. It's really... Like, that's where I can see, like, Peter Jackson being like, this is why we're doing it this way. Like, that's, a, like, an example of that scene. 
but like as a whole, like it's it's a lot to take in. It's a very okay. it's a very unique kind of look, which is obviously because we're just not used to having that on a giant screen projected to us for a you know expansive period of time. So it, as of now, I would say it's not something I'm going to choose purposely if I have the option in the future, but I'll be curious to see where it goes from here. Mm. So I, I'm like the uninitiated. I I did not see it this way, but I don't understand why would clarity be a problem? I, I hear all I hear is complaining about it, but I don't understand. Explain to me why a clearer picture is a problem. Well, it's it's not supposed to be. That's supposed to be. It, it's, oh. Yeah, I mean, like biologically speaking, I well here, you know how things refresh in like sixty rates per second, and then if you double that, basically you see every other line. Um, but now they're showing you all the lines all the time, so it just looks incredibly fluid, like home video cameras. And so I, I agree with Adam, which is like I like that cinematic feel of twenty four. Is it is it like the difference between video and film? Mark, okay, what, do you ever go? Like, Dude, yeah. Do you ever, Mark? Do you ever go to like a Best Buy and you see like a big HD TV and it like had the way the image is shown? It seems like super HD quality. Basically, just go stand in front of like a twenty hundred, a hundred twenty refresh rate television and and watch like I don't know a film and it'll see out, man. Yeah, well, I mean, it, again, it takes some getting used to, it, and I'm not a huge fan of it either. But for me, I describe it as it looks like people are moving it fast forward, um, and some people don't agree with that. They, it they was see really all tough. the lines fine. I remember I was like I, I read my uncle's house again, but I was there and uh, the Tree of Life was on. And that's that movie has a certain rhythm to it, and it's the the way it was that Malik and, and Lubezki shot it. It's very rhythmic and graceful. It was the herky, most herky jerky thing. I literally just like turned away from the screen. I'm like, I, I cannot watch this. This is yeah. not the, this film was meant to be seen. It looks terrible. Here's, here's what I was gonna say is that I think in response to what Aaron was saying is that I think it's almost going to take until. What I, uh, James Cameron's Avatar 2, till we finally really see what the true potential of high frame rate will really look like. In the same way that when we all saw Avatar in 3D, that was one of the first moments where many of us with modern 3D were able to say, okay, now I can understand how 3D can be used as a tool for filmmaking, not just a, a gimmicky choice. And I think that's the same way as it'll take to Avatar 2 and it'll take aesthetic choices that are meant to enhance the film and not just, hey, let's have 3D just for the sake of, you know, high frame rates or 3D or whatever. But I think that, I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be an immediate solution. I think there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be like a split 50-50. You're going to have the group of people who just will never see an HFR movie again, and then you're going to have all the people who are going to say, oh, I'm curious, but I'm not yet completely sold. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. All right, so, um, okay, regarding, like, back to just The Hobbit in general and technical aspects, the movie does look great. I, I think we've already expressed kind of issues with kind of the lead orc character and how he's very CG, and I think that applies to a lot of the more kind of, you know, these villain characters that they're kind of fighting off throughout the film. There's a lot less um, kind of practical orc and goblin people as opposed to The Lord of the Rings, mainly because, you know, technology has kind of changed. But I do think it kind of lacks in a way. Like, you have... In, like, the, the, the Rings movies, you have, like, Ur, the Urukai and, like, right? Urukai, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. And, yeah, like, sure. because they're, like... Thank you, Abe. <laughs> that, that generously positive review. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, like, those, like, that lead... The lead Urukai orc in Fellowship, the one that, like, kills Boromir, 
he's like he's yeah. a really ferocious character, and you see him because he's like right there physically in front of you. He's like a practical figure. I didn't get that same kind of feeling from watching you know Kratos running around after Thorin in this movie. He's also he also has no origin or anything. Like who the, who the hell? Yeah, is really. This like we got we got to see the birth of this guy in Fellowship, and this guy just kind of comes out and he's like, "Hey, I'm really angry, and my arm's gone." Like, yeah. And after that flashback, we <laughs> I've got, got a hook for a head. <laughs> And the best thing about the hook is, like, it's still sticking out of his arm. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like a piece of. It's like, wait a minute, dude! Just stick it all the way in. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna scratch yourself. Like you're gonna get a nasty infection. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's an idiot. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm curious about the villains in general because who, who do we really have as villains besides Smog, which we, we won't get to yet. I'm but we have you have the that guy and you have like the necromancer guy, which is another yeah. The necromancer. Yeah, yeah. What does a dragon do of gold? By the way, does he like does he invest? He hoards it. Well, it's, like, it's like Uncle dragons Fruit. love gold. Uh, but we're told that if we're, he goes we're swimming in it, he'll have a nasty odor. We're we're, we're told yeah. that he cuts gold. Okay, so but like that's like he just sold their place and took their gold. Like does it? I'm curious if the movies are going to expand on what he does with the gold. I hope so. I, I I'm not sure either. It's just, or maybe he just hangs out. Really, it's like that. He, it's pretty, it looks like he's been sleeping for like 60 years. It's pretty, it's pretty dickish. It's just like <laughs> just takes their gold, you know, not to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. One last thought is a uh, Howard Shore score. Fantastic. Great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very memorable. See, that's the funny thing. I I don't really. Yeah, I don't really remember any of it except from the bits that blatantly quoted the Lord of the Rings stuff. I don't necessarily remember the Lord of the Rings score offhand, but I do remember the theme, and I think Howard Shore did a good job of establishing a theme for the the Hobbit movies as well. I I, I feel I could recognize that theme in the same way that I could recognize the Lord of the Rings theme. True, he, but he also uh, I've talked about this with another friend where he had he he gets back into the Lord of the Rings themey moments. Like, there's the moment where you see, like, some embrace, and it, like, for a moment, you just get back into the Lord of the Rings moment just to make you smile, which I like, but at the same time, I'm starting to think to myself, should we, should we see him completely go off and not recall Lord of the Rings in any way? But then it wouldn't make sense. So I'd I rather... Mark? Okay. I, I was just going to say, I'd rather have this be a complete series, sort of, and I hate to make this comparison because it's going to piss off a lot of people, but sort of in the way Star Wars, like, we have original trilogy, we have new trilogy, and then we have new trilogy on the way. Yes. And and in the same, that they all feel like they're a part of the same universe, despite the, you know, the, the 1, 2, 3 trilogy not being as good. This is the same thing, where I want it all to feel a part of the same world, the same universe, and the same, I could watch nine of them in a row. I don't know if I'll ever do that, but I like that feeling. Cool. Where are Just you saying, about the music, um, I'm curious, has anybody ever, has anyone here seen the 1977 Hobbit animated film. The Rashke. Oh, yeah. The Rankin-Bass, yeah. Uh, Not in a long the, time. That's why I don't know this story anymore. <laughs> so, like, that was actually, I mean, you almost could call it a musical. There were, like, lots of songs in that. And I actually kind of, I, there were parts in this film where I kind of wish there was more music. You know, they had Thorin and him singing, and, and I, I actually kind of appreciated that. I, I, I could have actually gone for a little bit more music. More Jolly yeah. Dwarf singing? Well, the original, I mean, again, this is me looking, reading the book, but I, the original book is more lighthearted and it does feel this like it's a little bit more trying to wedge it into the world of the Lord of the Rings and that seriousness. So I get like you, you mentioned that, Adam. I totally get that. It, it is, 
it is more serious than I think it really should have been. But um, I, I would have liked a little bit more, like, singing or something. I mean, not, you know, within the context of the story, like, as they're on their quest and stuff. And this original, um, or this 1977 Rankin-Bass uh, uh, animated version of The Hobbit has a lot of singing in it. So, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of taking nostalgia with me, but I would have appreciated some more music, I think. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. And you know what? There's one point where you were saying that you wished you'd heard it. One point where I was hoping there would be a song is when they get to the Goblin Town, and there's the going to the Goblin Town song. Um, and there's like there's a couple scenes where they're walking through or they're being pushed through the Goblin Town lairs. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, this would be the perfect moment for the whole group to just break out in song. Right. Or someone to break out in song. And I guess it doesn't really fit you know, in the world they've made, but, like, he's... I get the impression that Peter Jackson is trying to balance the kids' movie nature of it, which is what song would be, and the, you know, I've got to make it dark, and I've got to make it appeal to the older, you know, teenage plus With crowd. the realm of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah it's not a, it's not a PG film. It's got to be that PG-13, and, like, it does have to kind of find that balance, I guess. Yeah, but but at the same time, it would have been cool to see them spend a little bit more time with a song or two and embrace what it really is, <laughs> which is that it is kind of a kids' movie. That is this fun adventure. At that at that same time, I I do know like as Adam was saying it, or who was saying it, or Mark was saying, it, I believe that it, it does feel like the movie takes a while to get going. So I don't know yeah. how much I would have welcomed to having more sing song time with the dwarves. And like waiting for. No, I know, I know. I hope. Yeah, same here. But like, cause I don't mean more time. I'm just saying, obviously. I, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I guess if they were able to, because I, I do think there is an issue of how serious the movie's taking itself. And I guess if it was more consistent in being like more lighthearted, I'd accept that over it being a mix of the two things. Like, there's this. Okay, there's this. I saw this movie when I saw it again. I saw it with my dad, and there's a scene where Thorin's in some trouble, and. As Thor is about to encounter some trouble, it cuts to, like, one of the dwarves saying, No! In slow motion. And my dad cracked up laughing out loud in theater. Like, it just, it, it, it it's too much, it, it kind of has, it's certainly a goofier movie than the Lord of the Rings moments, but because it has, it tries to get to those serious beats, it doesn't, like, play quite as well. It, cause the, I have, I have a story co- question. This is a little bit off topic, but I, I, I can I propose this question to everybody? So, like, when the birds are, like, flying them, why didn't they just fly them all the way to the mountain? Don't even, let's uh, cut it off right there, because that don't, right, right. don't even get I, me into why I hate eagles. I hate eagles at all. Why did, <laughs> I just wanted them to fly them all the way thing, to it's, the It's too bad, too, because the, the eagles were so great in the first series. Now they're like, just, now they're oh, just, like, the know. ultimate Deus Ex Machina, anytime you need eagles. Anytime yeah. there's a butterfly handy, you can, but you count on some eagles. Uh, but yeah, like really, the mountains right there. You drop us off like really short. Could take another ten minutes, but let's cut it off. Let's get let's get to our rating for the Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. We have a, our rating scale at Out Now, Fair and Abe. We go from IMAX to theater to Dollar Theater, Netflix, HBO TV. Forget about it. What's where you want to go see this movie? How do we start, Mark Hoban? Where would you put the Hobbit on that scale? IMAX. Alex Millington, where would you put the Hobbit on that scale? I need to scale again. IMAX theater, <laughs> dollar theater. I feel like you'd probably be an IMAX guy, right? Yeah, based on your scale, yes, IMAX. Okay. Adam Gentry? If you're a uh, big fan of the books or of the film series, you're going to want to see this in the theater. Otherwise, dollar theater. All right. Abe? 
Uh, I, I didn't see it in IMAX, so I can't really say, but I think that some of the picture looks pretty vast enough for IMAX. So I, I, I'd say I'd split between theater and IMAX, but I'd go with theater. All right. I would I would say theater, too, but I do think the 3D is very good in this film. Regardless of the 48 frames per second, I do think it's a very well-shot 3D film. Did you say it was shot? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was shot in 3D. But, okay. Did it. All right. Um, some of our guests are running low on time, so I want to get right to games this week. Cool. So you want, you want to set me up for that, Abe? I was like, where's the salad phone? <laughs> Aaron, do we have time for games? <laughs> yeah, we have time. Okay. The, uh, oh, that, was, that, was a, yeah. that was a three-part. That was beautiful. Twist ending. Um, all right. So, Abe, I brought your favorite game back this week. Yes! The Twitter game! Celebrity Tweets is back, guys. Um, okay, so some of you might be familiar with this game, but basically in Celebrity Tweets, um, I've picked a number of tweets all related to The Hobbit from various people involved or in some ways starring in the film. All real, completely not made up tweets, and you have to guess who said these tweets, who wrote these tweets down. All right. Oh, I love this game. It's a, it's a, it's really easy, I think. So here we go. Here's the first one. It, this shows how easy it is. Returning to Middle Earth took a while, and I was initially hesitant, but now I'm happy to be back and skinnier. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. It's Peter Jackson. It's Peter Jackson tweet. Yeah. All right. See, it's simple. Here's the next one. Handling the staff and beard again was a lot of fun, but it was all the door frames I kept hitting with my head that was hard. Get off. Uh, Get off. Yeah. Yeah. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, yeah. He's, yeah. Score, thank you. he's quite good in the movie. I, I like Ian McKellen. Yeah, right. Here's the next one. Okay. All real. I've been in an office, to space, and now Middle Earth. Must be doing something, Martin right? Freeman. Martin Freeman. Oh, it's actually Ricky Gervais. I forgot, uh, to, I forgot to mention the hashtag. Only two out of three are true. That's the hashtag. Uh, the uh, that one uh, bastard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here's the next one. The dwarves were a lot of fun to hang around on set with, although a few of them were always farting. Snow White. Uh, Would that be Martin Freeman? It's uh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, though. <laughs> really? I didn't know she had a Twitter. Yeah, I got Twitter, a yeah, at, at Kate Blanchett43. It's, uh, oh, oh. Yeah, you got to follow. Awesome. Uh, Sounds official. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's the next one. Um, let's see. I watched this and kept thinking, what if I could load CG trolls and dragons into more of my movies? Audiences would love it! Exclamation point. Michael Bay? Hmm. So Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's cl- classic Malick. Fake Twitter. I didn't know he had all, all true, <laughs> Alex. All true. All, all these are completely not made up. But Terrence Malick. <laughs> he, he tweets. He gets really lonely, I guess. Okay, here's the next one. They didn't even call me back. I just showed up with the feet, and they put me in the damn thing. I was surprised. Uh, what's his face? Yeah, Frodo. Wolf- Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood tweet. Yeah, cool. What's the next one? To get back into character, I began crawling on all fours and eating more raw fish. It's liberating, really. Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. So Hugo Weaving wrote that. <laughs> classic, classic Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Classic Hugo. Here's the next one. To prepare for the role, I ran five miles daily, had a strict regimen of 500 push-ups a day, lots of pasta and salads, and intense fight training. That's not 140 characters. Get out of town. It's one of those. It's one of those like expanded tweets. You know? Sure, it is. Yeah, because it's like that. Tweet more. Tweet more. That's what. It's called. Sure. I want to just say it's uh, Ian McKellen. You already said that one. It can't. Sir be. Ian McKellen. Yeah, I know he did her. Went through Ian McKellen twice. So Christopher Lee actually. 
Ah, uh, he does look very fit. Yeah. 500 push-ups a day. It's crazy. Here's the next one. It's three more. So Jackson made prequels to his beloved trilogy, added more computer effects, and made somewhat childish and fairly lengthy. Sounds familiar. Hmm. Aaron Newworth. It's uh, George Lucas, actually. Oh. <laughs> kind of makes sense. Kind of. All right, here we go. This is a little more than 440 characters. There's another tweet, more tweet here. The, uh, the parable of having a deadly dragon overtake a community and how that relates to some of what's going on today really had me thinking what agendas Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh may, on, may be on their minds and will be curious to see how they resolve these motifs and stack them up against current events in their, <laughs> in their, following, in their following films. Uh, <laughs> President Obama. Honey Boo Boo wrote that quote. Oh, oh man, I totally misjudged her. I, I totally misjudged Boo-boo her. tweet. Much smarter than I anticipated. Here's the uh, here's the last one. Here's the last tweet. I'll be back next year for the Desolation of Smog. I just really hope there's nudity. That's the one thing these films have been missing. Sammy Jackson? Andy Serkis. Michael Fassbender. Christoph Waltz wrote that tweet. Oh. Christoph Waltz. Oh. Of course he did. Yeah, course. It's cl- a classic Waltz, I guess. Yeah. Christoph Waltz 175. I, I don't know what that number is, but that's what, that's a tweeter. Huh. That's, a, that's how you play so many tweets. That's, no one won, once again. Was... Yeah, and those are all real. <laughs> so, yeah, all real. I don't think anyone could possibly win that. Well, I mean, if you if you follow these guys on Twitter, you might have had a chance. I mean, yeah, I follow Terrence Allen on Twitter. That's, I mean, Dude, Kate Cl- Blanchett? Yeah, Kate for sure. Blanchett. Three? Always, yeah. always the farting jokes of Kate Blanchett. Yeah, what's up with that? All right. Where is her mind? Yeah. Let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, call This back. is where we discuss a couple <laughs> films that relate to the main film of the week in some way. So, um... Obviously, I think the Lord of the Rings films come to mind, but uh, Mark, any other movies come to mind when you're watching The Hobbit? Uh, um, not really. Just just the Lord of the Rings, I think. Honesty. All right. Adam? I went with Mark on this one. Okay. Adam? Yeah, two of them. Uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, <laughs> and uh, The NeverEnding Story with that rock fighting scene. It was almost like oh, the rock yeah. fighting. And also Falcor flying through the sky's yeah, saying like I tray you. Oh, and by the way, Never Never Ending Story has a great song. <laughs> That's a great song, which we That's might have to like, just like play it right now. Never ending story. Uh, All right, Alex, any uh, movies come to mind? No, just Lord of the Rings and the rest of Peter Jackson's filmography that I want to go back and rewatch. Yeah, you know, I was watching. Um, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes' list of like his his most best ranked films, and yeah. the Frighteners is at the bottom of that list. And I'm thinking, if the Frighteners, Frighteners is a good movie, I'm saying, yeah. yeah, I was saying, if the Frighteners yeah. is at the bottom of your list, you've already won. Like that's like that's. <laughs> I love the Frighteners. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Frighteners and the what was the horror one? I was Dead Alive. Dead Alive. Yeah, Dead Alive. Yeah. But that one's actually pretty highly rated. I think. Yeah, that, that's on going, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Oh, I know. That's kind of why I want to go back and I can't. I I've seen them all. I just want to, you know, rewatch them. I want to rewatch King Kong. I'm ready to watch King Kong. Oh, I love so King Kong. Long. I love King Kong. Oh, Heavenly Creatures is really good, too. It's a solid movie. King Kong sucks, dude. No, it doesn't. This from the guy that doesn't like Star Trek. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, his opinion is worth nothing. He doesn't like Star Trek. Aaron, <laughs> yeah. you said the Frighteners is at the bottom of his list? Uh, I, I, ranking it? I guess lovely, I don't know where Lovely Bones The Lovely Bones. Yeah, because that's, that's not that. <laughs> yeah, that actually got bad reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that was one Peter Jackson movie I don't need to read this. Yeah, that's not, that's not a good one. Coochie. 
It's not amazing like King Kong, which is awesome. Um, what's yeah. uh, <laughs> but oh, my callbacks. Uh, my, yeah. Avatar came to mind actually. Okay. And a Phantom Menace, but uh, prequel stuff. But uh, okay, uh, box office. What happened this week at the box office? Um, well, actually, well, we each week we go over the box office and we made some predictions previously. Uh, Mark was actually on last week's show, and what, what did you predict, Mark? What did you think? I don't want to even revisit it. it. Was totally off. I mean, what one twenty is not a terrible guess. It was way off, though. Well, we'll get to that, but I, I guess 115. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I did. I predicted 115. I was high. Abe said 75 million, and he was closest because Hobbit came in at 84, which is kind of on par with other War of the Rings movies, I guess. Um, missed out on the 100 million mark, but it, you know, it did did what it did, and with the 3D and everything, that's it certainly smashed December records in general, and. Uh, Nothing really else to talk about in the box. Everything else just came second to The Hobbit this weekend, and so that was just dominating, you know, theaters when you have, like, four different formats of that movie to watch. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, moving on. So, let's uh, get to what we're going to talk about next week. Next, Okay, so basically the holidays are coming up at this point, so that means a lot of movies are coming out. I think next, so I think Abe and I's plan, um, by the way, Abe, <laughs> Abe's kind of out for the rest of this episode unless he fills in later for those listening wondering what happened to Abe. But, uh, he'll be back. But, okay, so next week, Jack Reacher and This Is 40 both come out. So I think Abe and I, we're probably going to talk about at least one of those, perhaps both, we'll see. And that'll be, like, a regular episode. And as far as the rest of the week goes, with this is with uh, Django Unchained and Les Miserables opening on Christmas Day, we're going to kind of do what we did last year, which is we'll record when we can and post when we can. There'll just be bonus episodes that appear at some point in the in the in uh, that holiday season. So, uh, with that said... I'd imagine Hobbit would be next number one next weekend again, right? I don't think Jack Reacher and This Is Forty are exactly going to light it on fire compared to you know a new. I would think it'd be safe to Hobbit again, yeah. Yep. You never know. It's going to be the Hobbit. Yeah. All right. I'm not, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm just. I didn't expect it to perform worse than Lord of the Rings, but I'm I was very curious to see how the Hobbit performed, and if it was just a repeat of Lord of the Rings, or if or if you know, disinterest in expanding one book into three would cause a drop in box office, or the different formats would cause confusion. It doesn't seem like that's the case, but yeah, it seems like could be. I think it's because it kind of the way it's been marketed related so well, so like heavily to the Lord of the Rings, which were you know all three of those yeah. massive hits. So like it's just if it feels like I guess yeah, we're coming back to do this again, and you know people showed up to see that because they like that. I mean, yeah. And you charge more for 3D tickets, so you get a bounce. Yeah, a little. Yeah, I, I will say that I it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting how well it holds over compared to because like the previous Lord of the Rings films, those all opened like like the week before Christmas, I believe, and this one opens like two weeks before Christmas, and I mean it's not exactly going anywhere, but there is less. Of, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the preceding. Weeks. I think. Well, if you, if, I think audience reaction to it is positive. It got a an A on Cinema Score, so I I think it's going to be around for a while. And I can say that the people I saw when I saw it in forty eight frames per second, I saw it with my dad and I saw it with a bunch of other friends, and they all liked it. They all liked that look to the film. So I'll be curious, I guess, if it's, it's funny. I had a few couple some people like me that got used to it, and I had one one friend that just teed off, absolutely hated that. Said she had the biggest headache driving home, all that jazz. And like I, I work with her, so I've heard about it. You know, the next couple couple days after that, so it got to where it was a running punchline. Hey, how'd you feel about that uh, forty frames a second? But uh, <laughs> yeah, varying reactions on our side. 
See, I'm, wor- I'm worried that's going to create the group of people who are just like, I'm never going to see 48 frames again, no matter what. Like, even, like, the next two Hobbit movies? Yeah. Well, I, I, that's interesting times I have. But if those people can just go see it in 24 frames per second. I don't know what the problem is. Well, I mean, if the, yeah. if the studio is releasing something and the people aren't going to see that showing of it, I mean, they're just not going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, he, I mean, they're never, uh, for at least the foreseeable future, they're not going to get rid of 24 frames screens. No, that's what I mean. I mean, they're, I mean, they're not, like, would they keep releasing 48 frames per second given all the complaints that, well, I don't even know what, I don't even know what the mass consensus is, though. All I hear, all I see are, you know, other people like us that are on Twitter talking about it. I don't see. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know either. It's because it's only in limited. It's like four hundred of the theaters are right. I, well, I read somewhere it's out of four thousand theaters. Four hundred are this. Yeah. Uh, so that's a that's like just barely over eleven percent. That's a very small percentage of theaters showing it in this forty-eight frames per second. Yeah. yeah. So. To me, I mean, I, that's why I, I almost feel like it's somewhat of a non-issue because the majority of people are not seeing it in this. I mean, it, it's an issue. I get it because it's it, it may have repercussions into the future of the way we see film. But uh, as far as this, the, the majority, the vast majority of people seeing this movie are seeing it in the traditional um, uh, 24 frames per second. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, maybe we'll bring this back in a later discussion at some point just because I am curious how the 48 frames per second thing will kind of work itself out. But so this is why I need Abe, because we just ramble on to these endings now. But that's going to do it this week for right now, Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Uh, you can find all my written movie reviews there, as well as at whysoblue.com for my Blu-ray reviews. And uh, find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash ps 3 You can find Abe's work at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and follow him at walrusmoose, at twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Uh, Mark? Uh, you can f- find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Adam? You can find more of my work at my personal blog, Things I Know About the Movies, located at everythingyouwalwayswantedtoknow.blogspot.com and at twitter.com slash ilTwinAnarchist. Alex Billington. Uh, as always, you can reach me at firstshowing.net or on Twitter at firstshowing. Awesome. And you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and also at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show along with other shows about comics and movies and games and fun stuff like that with a bunch of cool guys there. Outnow.podomatic.com. You can find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives on that one. Uh, the Out Now YouTube page, if you just look up Out Now on YouTube, you can find the the main chunks of our reviews, not you know without the games and the various things that go with the padding in these shows. You can find just basically the review there. Um, email us, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. What did you think of 48 frames per second if you saw it in that format? Uh, you know, What do you think of The Hobbit in general? All these questions can be asked, and we'll be happy to answer them on the show. Uh, Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. You can like and follow those pages there and get all the updates and what have you. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you guys for coming on this week, talking about The Hobbit. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having the opportunity. Sure, I'm sure Abe would say something similar as well. He's seen, he's seen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's gonna do it. This okay? What I I will say one last thing. My my blog, uh, I guess, got nominated for something and I won. And I'm I'm sure that there's listeners of this show that probably helped me out in that. And like, I didn't ask for it, and so I'm just incredibly grateful that that happened. Like, that's very nice of anybody that did help to contribute to that. Um, it, it does flatter me. So thank you. 
Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for um, this week's uh, this week's show. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking about Jack Reacher and This Is 40, one or the other or both. But until next time, so long and goodbye. Far over the misty mountains rise Leave us standing upon the height What was before we see once more Is our kingdom a distant light Fiery mountain beneath the moon The words unspoken will be there soon For home is on, the echoes are And all who find us will know